All right, if you will, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're only in the first three verses this evening. We've gone through uh, five chapters of this uh, book and seen a lot of things. I talked about on two different occasions a seesaw. And uh, I want you to realize that that seesaw for uh, chapter 5 and chapter 6 centers the the horse is what we always had when I was growing up. We had a, a horse, and that's what you used, carpenters used. And uh, if you don't know what a horse is, it built two ends like that, and it's got a uh, uh, two before between, between them. And then we put the seesaw or the, the board on top of that, and have one person over here and one over here, and, and you'd seesaw. And uh, the horse. It is Ephesians 5.18 for chapter 5 and chapter 6. Uh, there's no way that we can miss all the things that's mentioned in the fifth chapter of the first few verses unless the Holy Spirit is filling us. Uh, and that verse 18 tells us, Be not drunk with wine, but in it is it, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And uh, so unless we're filled with the Spirit, then we can fall for all the things that are mentioned in the first four or five verses. And that we know way that we can do the other things that are mentioned up to verse 18. That is walk in wisdom and, and uh, walk uh, circumspectly. Uh, there's not any way we can do that. And then the latter part of the chapter has to do with the home. Uh, being submitted one to another in verse 22. And then in verses 23 through 25 has to do with us being, uh, the wife being submitted to the husband. Verses 25 through 33 has to do with a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Now there's no way that a person can love uh, his wife like he should. There's no way that she's going to be submitted like she should be unless we are filled with the Spirit of God. And that is the horse in the middle. That, um, and that seesaw is very important, that horse in the middle, for us to rest on. And when we rest on Him, that is the Spirit of God, then He'll see us through. But not until then. So, and then we get into chapter 6. And uh, we're talking about this evening honoring parents and obeying parents. And then uh, verse 4, we're talking about also uh, that we're not to provoke our children, fathers are not, to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those things are very important. And without the Spirit of God, filling of the Spirit of God, there's no way that we can obey these things like we should. And so don't ever forget it. This evening we're talking about honoring mother to begin with. Now we could have start out with, started out with dad, but children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now mother is a very, very sweet word. <laughs> I mean, there's not a sweeter word in the English language than that word, just mother. Uh, heard about this little boy and he was in a store six years old and and he got lost from his mother, and he, he hollered, Mother, I mean, Martha, Martha. And she found him and said, Son, you're not supposed to call me Martha. He said, But 
I mother, he said, he said, but there are a lot of mothers in here, but just one Martha. And so he wanted, he wanted uh, his mother. Now, our world is full of mothers, but uh, we have only one that belongs to us. And uh, I only had one mother. Nobody else could take her place. Nobody in the world could have ever taken her place. And nobody can take your place as a mother. It does not matter what age you may be and what age your children may be. There's nobody that can take your place. And so you deserve honor. And you, need, you deserve honor enough that children will obey. So children, obey their parent, your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, there are two reasons given in that verse why we should obey our mothers. That is, when we're growing up and uh, later on we get to honor them. And uh, because in the Lord, we're taught, it's obey her as a Christian because it's in the Lord, in the Lord. Now, if uh, you're saved and your mother's trying to get you to do something that's not right, then you can disobey her in that. But uh, otherwise, if she's a Christian, she's not going to try to get you to do things that are wrong. And as a result, you obey her. And then the reason you do it is because this is right. Obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's a, the right thing to do. Obeying your mother is the right thing to do. And if you obey your mother, you know that you're going to be doing right because that's the right thing to do. And you know what? When you are obeying your mother, you are also obeying the Lord. And when you're obeying the Lord and obeying your mother, you're honoring not only your mother, but you're honoring the Lord because he's told you to do it. And then he said, mother is to be honored. Look at verses 2 and 3. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. She should be honored 365 days a year until leap year gives it 366. There's not a day that we should not honor mother. I think of my mother frequently. My mother died in 1994 on my birthday. And... Uh, I think of her often. Um, there are things that come to mind, some of the funny things that she said. She had a way with some words that you just wondered what she meant. Uh, well, I knew what she meant, but why did she come up with those words to say it? Um, and uh, she had a lot of uh, good sayings. Jerry and I talk about it once in a while, Mother, she'd say, this world won more than the fireworks. We don't know what in the world she meant by that. Um, we don't know. But uh, anyway, she said that every once in a while. This world won more than the fireworks. She had a lot of funny sayings and a lot of very serious sayings. And I, I think of those every once in a while. Once in a while, I think of one and, uh, that I hadn't thought of in a long time. I'll call my sister. Uh, do you remember Mother saying this? Oh, yes, I remember that. She'll call me once in a while. You remember Mother saying this? Yes, we remember so we're to honor mother, honor her for her unconditional love for you. Her unconditional love for you. 
Back in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 20, uh, 16 verse, uh, to, through 28, we find there Solomon is faced with two mothers. They had children undoubtedly about the same time. And uh, they were in bed one night, and they, uh, one of the mothers rolled over on her daughter, on her child, and uh, killed it. It died. So she went and got the other woman's child and brought it in and claimed it as her own. Well, they had a, had a quarrel about it, and so they went to Solomon. He's got all kind of wisdom. He knew what to do, so they went to him. And uh, he couldn't get it settled, so he told somebody to bring a sword. They brought a sword to lay the child here, said, I'm going to split the child in two, cut it in two, and I'll give half to one mother and the other half to the other. And the mother that the child really belonged to said, no, give the child to her. Solomon knew whose child it was and gave it to the mother that it belonged to. So, you see, there was a mother that loved her child, an unconditional love. She wanted that child to be saved and was willing for another mother to have her just as long as that child was able to live. So a real mother loves her children so much that they'll do almost anything to protect them. A teacher at school one time asked a question, uh, little Johnny, if uh, you, you had a pie at home and uh, there are 10 of you in the home, then if you got a piece of that pie, how much of that pie would you get? He said, one ninth. She said, you don't know multiplication. Your multiplication. And uh, he said, uh, yes, I know my multiplication, but I also know my mother. She wouldn't want it a piece. Uh, I've seen my mother do that. Um, she decided she didn't want. Now, I've seen her be another way, too. <laughs> I think I mentioned this, but uh, I have to this time again. She and my granddaddy love chicken gizzards. And, of course, back in those years, you kill one chicken. You didn't go to the store and get it. You went out in the yard and got it in the, in the kitchen uh, chicken pen. And uh, you brought it, mother, throw it down, that chicken to run all over the place. I always thought he'd going to get up and leave, afraid he would. But uh, anyway, you had one gizzard, that's all. And mother and my granddad, Goss, they tried their best. They'd always try. So one day mother took the gizzard and sewed it full of black thread and fried it and didn't try to get it. Granddad got it. He never wanted another gizzard. <laughs> Mother loves unconditionally. This uh, Deborah Kemp, uh, Police don't know how she got the strength to do it, but she was filling up her car with gas and had a six-year-old daughter in the car. And while she's left it running because it's hot 
And while she was filling it up, well, uh, a guy jumped in there and took off. She saw it in time to uh, get a hold of the door and the steering wheel. She hung on it to it for uh, about three blocks and finally pulled him out and beat him with a club that, uh, that she had for protection until he was begging to be let go. And uh, uh, she broke both legs and he was uh, begging and apologizing for her to quit, leave him alone. The little girl stayed in the car, sleep, and the car went on and ran into a restaurant. Nobody was hurt. The little girl woke up at that time, but she wasn't hurt. The police said, we don't know how she got that much energy uh, to, in order to do what she did. Well, let me tell you something. I know how she did it. She did it with an unconditional love. She didn't want that daughter to be hurt, and she wasn't hurt. We need to honor her not only for unconditional love, but that unconditional love also uh, should cause us to honor her for her work. And that's the reason she uh, works like she does is because of her love. I read about a boy who had gotten his first job. <laughs> and uh, he was complaining a little bit about it. He had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to eat breakfast before he went to work. And uh, so... Somebody questioned him and said, well, who cooks your breakfast? And he said, uh, my mother. In other words, she has to get up same time you do, yeah. And uh, she also fixes my lunch. And, well, what does she do in the afternoon? He said, well, she, uh, after breakfast, she washes the dishes, and uh, she does the washing and things like that in the afternoon. And... Uh, who cooks her supper? Well, mother. And uh, mother cooks, and my dad and I sit there and read the paper until it's done. And then uh, we're called to the table, and uh, we eat. And, uh, well, uh, what does mother do then? She takes up all the dishes, washes them, and irons the clothes that she has washed in the afternoon while dad and I sit there and uh, watch television. She said, uh, you get paid? I said, yes. said, uh, does your dad get paid? Yes. Your mother get paid? No, she doesn't work. <laughs> now, if you believe that, that a mother doesn't work, then there's something wrong somewhere. But mother needs to be honored because of the fact that she loves us so much that she's willing to work. I think about my mother, the way she worked when we were young, and uh, it's, it's amazing what all she did. And, of course, all mothers back in those years did the same thing. Um, but my mother, it just seemed like she did a little bit more. But then we're to love and honor her because of her influence. Proverbs 31, 26, she opened her mouth with wisdom, and, her, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Her purpose when she speaks is for our good. Her purpose when she speaks is for our good. 
Don't ever forget it. Let's think about some of the testimonies of men and, and others that have gone before us. Uh, John Wesley, uh, he was the, even though he wasn't trying to, he was the founder of uh, Methodism, the Methodist Church. That was not what he was trying to do, but he did everything methodically, and as a result, uh, Methodist Church somewhat does the same thing today. But uh, he was, uh, went to Oxford University, and he got there, he found out something that he didn't know, and that was a bunch of the students were drinking alcohol. And uh, so he wrote his mother and asked her for advice, and she said, My dear son, remember that anything which increases the authority of the body over the mind is an evil thing. Hey, don't ever forget that. Let me read it to you again. My dear son, remember that anything which increases the authority of the body over the mind is an evil thing. Great instructions. Great instructions. And I'm sure she had a lot of other things to say as well. The London, London editor uh, submitted to Winston Churchill for his approval a list of those that had influenced Churchill. Churchill returned the list and with one comment, he said, you have omitted to mention the greatest of all the influences. And that was my personal teacher, my mother. She was the greatest influence that he had. G. Campbell Morgan, a preacher, Presbyterian, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he uh, had four sons and all those sons became ministers. And they were all together one day and somebody asked them, which one of you is the best preacher? And one of the sons spoke up and said, mother. Mother is the best preacher in this family because he, she had taught all of them. And that is good. And if we open up the floor right now, because your mind is really working about your mother, everybody here practically would have a testimony that would be worth hearing about your mother. I'm tempted to do it, but I better not. Because I need to go on to fathers. <clears throat> fathers are very important to children. I came up on this list of humor, and uh, someone said parents spend the first part of the child's life urging them to talk and walk, and the next part of their life trying to get them to sit down and shut up. One father said of his teenage son, do you mind if I use the car tonight? This is our anniversary, and I want to impress my, your mother. Uh, father said to his daughter, what's wrong, Judy? You usually stay on the phone for hours. You was only on there 30 minutes. Said that was the wrong number. <laughs> a letter from a college student to his parents said, uh, please send food packages. All they have here is uh, breakfast, dinner, and supper. A son wrote his dad and said, dear dad, please uh, let me hear from you more often, if only with a five or a 10. 
My dad wrote his dad one time. He lived in Huntsville. My, my grandfather lived in uh, Douglas, Alabama. And he wrote his dad one time. He said, no money, no fun, your son. His, his dad wrote him back, too bad, too sad, your dad. <clears throat> the kids had uh, talked, to mo- talked mother into buying a hamster. And uh, everybody ought to get a hamster. I've seen a few people who had them. And they promised to take care of it. His name was Danny. And they took care of that hamster for two or three days. And then it became her job. And uh, finally she'd had it as long as she could take it. And she said, we're going to get rid of Danny. And uh, one, uh, one of them said, uh, uh, I'll, I'll miss him. I'll miss him. And uh, we've had him around so long. And another one said, well, maybe he could stay if he didn't eat so much and wasn't so messy. And mom was firm, said, it's time to take Danny to a new home. They said, Danny, we thought you said daddy. (laughs) They wanted to keep him around. Father wants to build his family according to God's will and should be honored for it. Psalm 127 and verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Now, David is not talking about building a building, but he's talking about building a family. And the Lord must build the family. We labor in vain if we try to do it without his, without him and without his help and supervision in all ways. God invented the family and he knows how to do the family. He knows how to help the family. He knows all about it. Henry Ford and his wife were driving along one Sunday afternoon and they came up on a T-model Ford that had quit running. Saw the guy under the hood trying to fix it. And so he stopped and fixed it right away. And the guy said, how did you do that so quick? He said, because I designed it. The reason God can do such a good job with our families is because of the fact that he designed them. He designed us. He knows what to do in order to take care of it. But now listen, he doesn't just wave a magic wand over it and say, be healed. No, we must go by his instructions. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And the way he builds that house is with us, using us. And we use his instructions in order to do it. When I worked for my dad in the summertime, from the time I was 13 until I was 17, in the summertime when school was out, I was able to work with him. And uh, we built big buildings. We built one, the last one I worked on. It was a huge uh, high school in uh, Scottsboro, Alabama. 
And it cost, now this was in 1950, and it cost $150,000 to build that school. I'm talking about it was huge. Some of you are saying, my house costs more than that. Yeah, wouldn't have cost more than that back then. But uh, he took, he would take a blueprint and he'd look at it and he'd tell all the different trades what to do and how to do it. Now, I was a laborer. I didn't know one thing about the blueprint. Still know very little. But my daddy could read a blueprint. And you know what this is? It is a blueprint. And I hope you're able to read it and glean from it in order to know how to raise your children if you still have children at home. And if you don't have children at home, that you'll know how to treat them now that they're gone. Because this is the way. He doesn't just wave a magic wand everything's cured. He gives you the instructions, and we must go by them. And if we don't, we're the losers. Fathers should be honored for protecting their families. In the early days of our nation, father, fathers took care of their families by protecting them from uh, wolves and bears and wildcats and Indians. But now they have to be protected from other things. Maybe not so much, maybe bears because they are coming in down part of the country. I think a wolf has been seen not too long ago. Uh, different things that are happened. But other things that are more important. Number one, I think that parents need to protect their children from alcohol. One of the best ways to do that is leave it alone yourself. Um, I led a man to the Lord at Flat Rock, our first only church before now, before here. He was a drunk. Now, the difference in an alcoholic and a drunk, a drunk lives in the, out in the country and the alcoholic lives in the city. So uh, he was a drunk. I'd go let him work on my car just to get to witness to it. He always changed the oil on it, and something went wrong with it. He always did it. There were other mechanics there, but I always chose him because I wanted to spend it witnessing to him. And one day, I had uh, bought a new Volkswagen and transmission, and that new Volkswagen was making a noise. And I went up there to his house, and uh, it, he'd already gotten off from work, and so I went to his house, and I called him out and told him what the problem was, and he drove it up the road. And, and uh, it made the noise. He said, I don't know what that is, but uh, we need to check it. And we got back, and he, he said something. Well, he said, I'm having to hire my children to stay with this old lady up here that we're renting from because she's afraid to stay there at night. And I'm having to give them 50 cents to go stay with her when she's got all kind of money, and she did. Said, I don't know what she's going to do with it when she's gone. That gave me an opportunity to start witnessing to him again. And lo and behold, the man was saved.
And you talk about a difference in a man's life. There was a big difference. He had seven or eight children. I'm not sure which. But seven or eight children. And uh, most of those children, the older ones saw how he was doing. And what a change had been in his life. And as a result, they didn't go the same route that he had gone. Some of the young ones didn't see it, and they did go in the wrong direction. But uh, the best example that we can put is ourselves. And uh, just don't go that direction, and uh, you'll be surprised at how much of an influence it'll be on your children. It'll be another influence, though, wrong kind of influence, if they see you drinking alcoholic beverages, they'll say, well, I can do that. Dad does it. I can do it. We must protect our families from false doctrine as well. You remember Jim Jones going down into Guyana, uh, Guyana, South America? And as a result of some of the people going from here down there, one of the congressmen from uh, California went down there to check on it. And they killed him and whoever was with him wouldn't let them leave. And the next thing they did, uh, he made poison uh, Kool-Aid and everybody drank it. The women gave it to their children first and they died and then they drank it. All of them died. He had so convinced them that he was God that they listened, or at least he was a spokesman for God, that they listened to every word he said. And we have to make sure that we protect our children from that kind of an influence. If the doctrine is wrong, protect them from it. It's our responsibility. It was my responsibility. still is. And it's your responsibility. And fathers want to provide their family and with everything and they need to be honored for it. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any man provide not for his own and especially of those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's powerful. If a father does not provide materially, that is food and clothing and shelter, he is denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. There are many children growing up who don't realize that they have to work and earn a living. A lot of people don't. That's one thing my brother and I learned at home was to work. My dad taught us that we're supposed to work. He worked. My dad had three fingers missing. No, these three. Uh, they'd cut off, uh, he was working in a stove factory in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, he got those fingers cut off. And in the summer, uh, wintertime rather, he'd come home after having worked all day long for a dollar, if he was fortunate he got a dollar. With those fingers throbbing because they're so cold, but he he worked and he provided 
for our family. The one thing that he didn't provide was spiritual, the spiritual. He didn't provide that. He wasn't saved while I was at home. He got saved, uh, most of you know, the night I preached my first sermon. And uh, he was not a spiritual influence. And that was the most important influence that I needed. And the most important influence that you, your children need if they're young, and they still need it if they're older. You'd be surprised at the number of parents that when their children get to be teenagers, they kind of start skipping. Think it's more important to be with them than it is to have them in church. Well, folks, it's not. I know three services a lot, but we can go back and do what they did in the book of Acts if you want to. They had services every day. It's important. And uh, we need to make sure that we have our children in church. Don't, don't quit. Don't slack off because your children need you. Did you know my children still need me to be here in three services a week and in revivals and missions conferences? Did you know that? They're all grown and got, have children of their own and grandchildren, and I have great-grandchildren. I drove them both. But they need me. They need me to be in church to where I can help meet the spiritual needs in their home. I wonder how many wasted days that I had uh, that I didn't feel was real important with the children. I think I must have had, had plenty. Have you heard about Brooks Adams, the historian? His father was an ambassador to Great Britain, and uh, it was under Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he recalled, the best day of my life was when I was growing up, was the day my dad took me fishing. We talked and spent time together. Time and time again, he recalled that. A historian came upon that on uh, his, the journal of the father, and here's what he had to say. Went uh, fishing with my son, and it was a day wasted. Went fishing with my son, and it was a day wasted. His son said it was the greatest day he ever had with his dad. We need to spend time with our children. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Provoke them not to wrath. There's a lot of ways you can do that. You can smother them. Just smother them. You can show favoritism. You can compare one child to the other. Uh, you can uh, punish uh, them in uh, brutal ways. Uh, you can discourage them. You can uh, 
make them feel unwanted. Uh, you can use love as a tool for reward and punishment. Uh, failing to let them grow up in a normal life. And you can use physical, physical and verbal abuse. And uh, there are just a lot of different ways that, that we can provoke our children to wrath. A lot of ways. And we need to be very careful. Paul ends this section with a positive command. Instead of provoking them, nurture them. Nurture them. You might be surprised at the root word there. It's discipline. The root word is discipline. Discipline them. Same word that's found in Hebrews 12, 4, where it says, um, that uh, 12, 6 rather, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So there is discipline and instruction needed in the home, correction, reproof, and encouragement. And if we don't know what to do or how to do it, we have a perfect example with God our Father in the way He treats us and loves us and ask us in turn to honor Him. We have the perfect one. Hey dads, moms, if you've blown it, <laughs> I have, you know it, I've told you. There's no telling how many times I apologize for my children for the way I blew it. But you can do the same thing. Go home and apologize to them. If you have to call them on the phone, if it's long distance, call them, collect. And uh, let them know that you're sorry that you blew it. You'll be surprised what a response you'll get. And you'll grow about a foot spiritually in their eyes when you come to the place that you can do that. God help us to do it. Thank you.